Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wigan, and with me today is Logan Stone. How's it going, everybody? Everything, uh, everything. I good, just want to make sure you got the homework, Logan. I yeah. asked that you watch the documentary about right. the 1986 Bulls. Is that <laughs> 1996 Bulls? Right. Did you did you watch that? See, I got confused, and I, I did watch the 86 Bulls, and it was really, oh. like, they weren't very good, so I was just, I, are, are you sure <laughs> so that's... you got the theme? wrong message from it. My bad. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no, Jordan, I, and are you going to fire me for it? Because, I yeah. mean, I feel like yeah, it's a no, very this was it. thing to do. Okay, I gave cool. you strict instructions. I bought all the players you wanted to buy. I let you go one game with them, and you're gone. That's it. I mean, do you really need a second chance in life? Right? No. Leeds fired Jesse Marsh is what we're referring to there. But we're not going to talk about that. We are going to talk about LA Galaxy, LAFC, and we are going to be having a guest join us in just a couple minutes here to talk LA Galaxy and LAFC. So we'll preview those two teams. Um, And then we're also going to be doing this episode. It's probably going to drop late Tuesday, early Wednesday. Wednesday night, we'll be doing a live preview on the 8th. Uh, for some of the other teams. We realized we have to speed up the previews a bit. So <laughs> we're doing that. So what you're going to get is you're going to get this episode in your feed. At like 7 a.m., you're going to get the next Ted Lasso recap. And then that evening, you're going to get another live preview that'll be on the podcast feed Thursday. Uh, but if you want to join us on YouTube, it'll be on Wednesday. So pretty much three days back-to-back-to-back content. So that's good. Logan, tell us who we have joining us. Yeah, so we have Gio Garcia. He actually jumped on last year, and I believe Jordan. I can't, I can't remember exactly if he had done both. I want to say he did both last year as well, but I can't remember if it was just LAFC or if it was the Galaxy. I think it was and just LAFC. Was it? I, I just think. can't remember. I can't put two and two together. But we did have Gio on last year, and this year he is going to talk both LA Galaxy and LAFC, and lots to talk about with these two teams, Jordan. So I'm excited to get Gio back on. Uh, and kind of just go through these teams because they're uh, they're interesting. That they are. And we are back, and we have Gio Garcia with us today talking both L.A. teams. How are you today, Gio? Hey, fellas. I'm doing good. Uh, pleasure to, for you guys to have me on again. It's always great to talk to you guys. And uh, I'm doing good, man. The season's just around the corner. What are we, like, I think, like, what, 18 days away from the home opener? Well, here in MLS, so I'm excited. It's going to be a big one, El Trafico. So I know, I know we're definitely going to talk about that. So I'm excited. Yeah, crazy. By the time that we reach Saturday, we'll be two weeks, so two weeks away, and no team has their kit officially unveiled yet or anything. It's uh, crunch time right yeah. now. It's it's insane. It feels like it was at least for me because uh, obviously we know like LFC won, but like I feel like I, we everybody that covers LFC. It was like a short off season because it was like yep. just November, and then like they they send us things like in January, and we're like we're already back into it. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Especially it feels shorter this year than you know last year. Um, even last year they started earlier so they could be done for the World Cup, but it feels like we started even earlier this year because we have the break for the League's Cup. So we got a lot, a lot of stuff going on, I guess. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll start with LAFC. Uh, We'll start the easy one. They had a great year last year. First year head coach in MLS, Steve Chirundolo. 
takes them to the promised land that Bob Bradley wasn't able to get them to. And they won the supporter shield and MLS cup. And uh, I guess just reflect on last year and how big that was for LAFC to finally get MLS cup, which I feel like they've made their goal since they entered the league. Yeah, look, I, th- I think it was it was a big year for them. They were, look, uh, whenever you talk about LFC, there's always a lot of expectations. There's always, you know, things that you want. You, you expect this club to, to win championships. Obviously, under the guidance of Bob Bradley, they had an a, a awesome foundation. But when it came to crunch staff, they weren't able to get over that hurdle. And look, a, a lot of us, including myself, did not know about Steve Sherundolo because we, we knew he came from, obviously, from Germany and from Europe, and he had that experience. And we saw briefly his experience with the Las Vegas Lights. And, you know, to be honest, it, it wasn't good. But, like, you know, he had a – I think you can only be as good as your talent sometimes. And I think, obviously, we see that with Steve Sherundolo. So we, we weren't sure what type of coach he was going to be. You know, we had before – the start of the season, I had run into him and just different things like that, but I, I never got to know him. And I think once we got to know Steve Sherona throughout the season, and how calm, how poised he was, how he did things different from Bob Bradley and how he spoke to the players and how he did, just the way how he did things was completely different. And I think LAFC needed that. And I think Carlos Vela definitely needed that. He talked about that. He, he, he mentions that it was a breath, a breath of fresh air, you know, and you have those different things, you know, that, that, you know, Bob Bradley is my way on the highway type of coach, you know, and Steve Shondo is more calm and relaxed. And I think, you know, switching that over once, you know, we started seeing some of those games and how they were winning and what they were doing, then you could start seeing a couple more of those pieces and, you know, what happened and you started seeing LAFC really get get into the trenches and what they were doing and if they were going to win Supporters' Shield. And I think everything they did and also the, the great work the front office did, you know, they obviously they signed, you know, Gareth Bell, who obviously now retired, Christian Teo, who at the time was an amazing signing, even though he wasn't able to contribute and essentially in, in, in a big way. But all the signing, all the signings and how they did and scaring Gary Bell in a, on a TAM deal, not on a DP deal and all those different things. It was, it was just amazing how the front office did that and how everything came together. And obviously you, you have a, a historic, you know, championship being at the game, just seeing the, the highs and lows of that, that championship game. I, I still couldn't believe what I was witnessing, you know, it goes to the penalties and everything like that. And I think w- what they did and what Steve Sherlando did with this team he, I think he already knew what type of a team that he had. And I think, you know, to mention one thing Chiellini mentioned, he's like, he mentioned during the season, he's like, Steve Sherlando does not say a lot of words. He does not speak uh, to the guys that went in the locker room. But he's like, when he speaks, he, he went to say as long as he's right, you know. So I think I think Sherlando really knew the team he had and what he needed to do and he was going to do it his way. Um, and, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of questions. But as once we see these, these tougher games, once we saw them beat Galaxy at the Bank of California, once we started to see that they beat Austin FC, who they lost to, I believe, twice during the regular season, you started to really see that, hey, this team is going to live up to expectations. Because to me, and I think everybody else was championship or bust with the type of talent they had. And, you know, they were able to meet those goals. Those aren't, those aren't easy goals when you have a championship or bust. You have Carlos L, you have Gareth Bell. It is easy, right? It gets easier when you have those players, but, you know, there's a lot of expectation. There's a, there's a lot of emotion and everything and a lot of pressure when it comes to that. And LAC finally did it last season, and it was amazing to watch. 
I was gonna say, I was gonna ask you on, on that uh, fact, just the the fan reaction. What was it like around LAFC, like LA area? I mean, I know you know they've always been that club that people kind of look to to be that competitive team that's going to run away with a couple MLS cups, and finally it feels like the pressure's been released, and now this team can just go out and start dominating league. Is that kind of the feeling that LAFC had, just that that pressure being released, and then now looking forward to all right, what else can we achieve as a club? Yeah, look, that's that's the biggest thing for LAFC was was to win a was to win a championship, you know, and obviously that's what the fans wanted. That's what the fans demanded. Look, any 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 time you have fans and you speak of that, right, with the the type of talent they've had over the years and the, you know the type of historic seasons that they had, right, to go back in 2019, breaking the MLS, uh, you know, wins record or points record, and all that, what they did, and, and you know, I think when you fall short, and I think now also that was that was a, that was a big stick, thing that the Galaxy fans would say to LAFC, like, hey. Yeah, the club is good, and uh, you know, just interact with them. But you guys haven't won a championship. Now they won a championship. You can't really say that anymore. And you know, since the league has entered, we've seen how LAFC has done things. And you know, and we'll probably get into you know the issues that the Galaxy have had and the way LAFC has gone about it. Look, I know a lot of people that that work there, and they they put in a lot of work. But this is not by surprise, right? You you don't just recruit a, a player like Gareth Bell to come in here. You don't just recruit. Uh, you know, players like uh, Chicho, Ch- Chicho Rongo, right? And just different people who's also obviously is not, not, no longer with the team. But, you know, the scouting department, you know, how they built the LAFC 3252. There's a lot of work that goes into that and building what, what, what that franchise is and building that culture, right? The LAFC culture, it, it, goes, it goes so much more. And I think winning that championship just solidified all the hard work that they've done for the last, what, five, six years leading up to that moment. And, you know, I took my hat off to them because I've seen it since since the 2018 season and how they've done it and how they've been different. Now how they've, you know, each year there's been so much expectation. Look, being in L.A., you're going to have you, – you, there is like a lot of expectation and winning those championships just solidifies them. And, you know, I know they want they got, they got CCL this year, MLS, right? They're, they're, they're going to play close to probably 50-something games this season which is going to be crazy. And I know fans are going to be hungry for as many championships as they, as they could potentially mm-hmm. win this season. Yeah. I mean, really we're adding in the league's cup in the summer. You have the open cup that they'll be qualified for uh, champions league and MLS. There's like five trophies up for grab there <laughs> that they could have a legitimate shot at. Um, but yeah, so you mentioned bringing in Bale, who I feel like if he doesn't get that header, right. To tie the game up, would it have been looked at as more of like a bus signing? Cause he was kind of, it seemed like he wasn't featured a lot. He had some injury problems again. Um, it, you know, maybe that's why he ultimately decided to hang it up. He, he couldn't really stay on the field that much, but, uh, what, what is Gareth Bale's legacy at LAFC in his one season? Look, if it you, you if it wasn't for that game, I mean the game tying header, uh, I think he, you everybody was calling him a bust. We were like he was, was at that point. It was just very disappointing because you know uh, Mahalo Poku was getting more minutes than him, and you know we just don't understand like why he he had he had reaggravated his back. Why he he never? I don't believe he played a, a ninety minutes, right? Um, but look, I think to me, in my opinion, I think Gareth Bell is going to go off in the sunset and going to be viewed 
Um, anything that, that people, the only thing they're going to remember about Gareth Bale is that game time goal. And that's how he should be remembered because he's done it all the way throughout his, his career. He's done it with Real Madrid, right? He's done it multiple times in those big games. And he did it with LAFC. But if you, you're right. Leading up to that, he, he didn't show up. And, you know, and I think when you get a player like Gareth Bale, you expect him to step up at big games and big moments. And, you know, with that, I, I said this before, like all with that game time goal, all his sins, for, all his sins were forgiven. I'm only going to remember him because of that game time goal and that performance that he did because th that's what they needed from big players make big moments when the, when the team needs it the most. And I think he was only in there for like 10, 15 minutes. But, you know, like, you know, he, he did what he had to do to, to tie to tie that game yep. and give him, a, give him another shot going, going into PKs. And that, I think that's all you can ask for. And, you know, and, and, and look, yeah, you, would you want Gareth Bell to play those 90 minutes and everything like that? Would the season bar look different? Yeah but he wasn't physically able to do that. And he performed and he gave a, an exciting, and I remember just seeing that goal. I couldn't believe, because I, I, I think there was like five minutes or something like that left in the game an extra time. And I was like, there's no way they're going to lose it like this. And then all of a sudden that cross goes in and he hits the header. And I'm, I'm just in shock that, that it went in. Because oh, I, I was shocked was too. <laughs> I was shocked too, but on the other end, because I'm a Philly fan. So that, that, was, oh, uh, that, was, <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> Yeah, because if you remember, too, like, you know, um, I'm blanking his name. I can't believe the goalkeeper. He got, he got, a, he yeah. got a red card, you know, and ended up getting a red card. Uh, Maxine Crippon ended up getting a red card, right? So LAFC were down a man, and he just, like, looked like it wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're at home and everything. And then just, I don't know where Gareth Bell provides, a, you know, a historical moment, you know, that that – that final, a lot of people are saying that. The, look, I don't, I haven't watched as many finals as other people, but like, yeah, that to me, that that final, and at least referring to MLS, will probably go down as the greatest final in MLS history, just because everything, you know, how it went down and the emotions of being it up and down. It's up there. I, I would say for the first one twenty minutes, it's up there. I, I think the penalty shootout leaves a little bit to be desired because Philly really didn't step up to the plate in that shootout. Um, God, I don't even think they made one, right? Where they made one, yeah. it wasn't a lot. But yeah, I mean, if we had like a, oh, if you had like where the goalkeepers are stepping up to take the shootout too, and it's going like twelve, twelve, like that would have been legit. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's up there for for sure. Logan, uh, right. I'll let you ask the next one. Yeah, I just love Geo painting the picture of, and watching Jordan just completely like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I was like, <laughs> I was like, look, I was gonna say you had John McCarthy, the unsung hero, who had, who was yeah. a Philly kid yep. who played yep. right Philly. I don't, I don't know, I don't recall if he played them in his academy. He comes in and has a hair story. There was just so many stories on the LAFC yeah. side that mm -hmm. you know. Obviously, if you're on the Philly side, you're like, f this, man. Like, no, nah, this. this. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I was up, watching you know, it. I was watching it at the stadium. They had like the watch along thing. And I was telling my friends uh, and anybody next to me, I said, when McCarthy is in, I'm like, we can't go penalties because this guy is awesome at penalties. Like McCarthy is yeah, really I didn't good. Know that. I didn't, I and I'm didn't, like, we cannot go penalties. And then, you know, we didn't, we, we, at first, you know, Elliot scores or whatever. And we're like, yeah, all right, yeah, no yeah, penalties. Yeah, yeah. And then it's the dagger with, with the bail. And you're like, Oh no, now McCarthy is going to come up and, and save all these penalties. You want me to tell you a cool story? So um, I got to talk to McCarthy, obviously, right after the game, right after they won the championship. And then the next day we spoke to him again, and he shared the story that he went up to the coaches. This was before Maxine Kripo had gotten injured. And he, he told us that he went up to the coaches because I guess he knew and they knew he was a better uh, keeper at saving, saving PKs, to your point. He went up to them, like, 
maybe six minutes or whatever, right before Carpo got injured, he's like, just keep warming up. We'll let you know if, if you're going to come in for the PKs because they're, they're going to make that sub. Uh, well, he, he, he had, you know, approached the coaches and they weren't sure. And then as soon as Maxine Carpo got injured, like McCarthy was already ready to come in for those PKs with like, that just tells you who he is and thinking like yeah. ahead, right? Cause he, he, he played a couple of games during the regular season, but we didn't really see much of him. We saw that, you know, some acrobatics and stuff, but we literally did not know anything of him. And then that final, we learned a lot about him and him just sharing that story just spoke volumes to me of where he is. And, you know, just always being ready, especially when it comes to the final and, you know, he steps, stepped up in the biggest moment, which was insane. Yeah, uh, an LA hero, right? And that is yeah. is what he is now. Yeah, we'll talk about some more heroes and, and some big players because I want to get into the departures because they had some big ones and, and especially one that just dropped recently that I think shocked the whole MLS um, as far as the people that cover it. Uh, Chicho Rango gone to Pachuca. You had a, a guy that scored, I think, right around or at 30 goals in two seasons for LAFC. Seba Mendez, uh, Latif Blessing is gone to, to the Revs. Um, some pretty big pieces, especially Chicho, uh, gone. How big are those losses for LAFC and what they're trying to, you know, kind of build on in 2023? Well, so I'll start off with the midfielders. Um, Latif Blessing, he, he, was, he was beloved by LAFC fans and everybody. I would say prior to Chicho, he was probably everybody's favorite player. Uh, he was amazing. He always took photos of people, interacted with people. I know he went to go play pickup games with people. Uh, you know, he was, he was a cool dude, cool dude. Awesome. Amazing. But I think once they started getting the signings of, you know, Kellen Acosta and what Jose Cifuentes started doing and Elias Sanchez, and then also last year you also had Sebo Mendes, there was very – there was not that much of a role for Latif Blessing, even though he had he had been awesome for LAFC leading up to that point. There was just more talent. There was just more people that – there was just guys that were more specific. Ilya being that, you know, that six or, you know – Acosta being able to play from t- between the six and the eight as well, you know, the, the different dynamics and Sifu was a little bit more offensive. And I think, you know, him moving on, I think, I think I kind of saw that coming because, you know, there was at times that when he wasn't playing last season, he had mentioned something in, in his Instagram day, you know, something along the line that he wasn't happy and things like that. And, and you look, know, it happens when you don't, when you're not getting that playing time and you're used to getting that playing time, even though it's off the bench. So I think they are going to miss him, but, Especially now, because the midfield's looking really thin for LAFC, especially with that, with those, with those two departures. And Seba Mendes, he didn't really get to play when he was with LAFC, but when he was with the Ecuadorian national team, you saw him flourish, and you're like, wow, like why didn't he get some minutes, right? Like why, why wasn't Seba Mendes playing if he's doing this in the and at the World Cup? Like he could surely mm-hmm. do this for LAFC, but. Acosta had already cemented himself. Elias Sanchez already cemented himself. And, like, I don't think anybody was going to start over those two players. And then you have, obviously, Sifu, who was also an offensive uh, threat. So I think it was really hard to, at times, to give, give Seba Mendes when the, all these other players already established himself. I think, to me, uh, Seba Mendes will be missed, even though he wasn't able to contribute last year, because it seems like this season he he'd probably be able to he was going to be able to contribute a lot more, but he ended up going, I believe, uh, to Sao Paulo in Brazil. Then they were going to, the, to to Brazil. So it's unfortunate, but look, a, a solid part like them. After you have a great World Cup performance, you, you expect them to move on. And I, 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 when I when I saw the type of performance he was having at the World Cup, I was like, he he's not coming back. He he's just not. He's just too talented. Someone else in Europe or wherever is going to pick him up. And he ends up he ends up going uh, to Sao Paulo. Ticho Rango, man. 
he was amazing, amazing player, even a, a better human being. Everybody loved Chief Cho. Everybody. I mean, some of the the heroics games that he had. I mean, mm-hmm. that goal against uh, against the Galaxy was insane. You know, in the in the playoffs in the ninetieth minute, uh, he he just scores that game winning goal. And you know that because that game against the Galaxy, people. I don't know how much people recall, but Galaxy had a chance to potentially beat them, and the the tide had turned to the Galaxy. The once Dejan had tied it two two, like the type of yeah. tide had turned, and there was a lot. There was there was a there was a. I know being in the stadium, a lot of people were like, "Oh dang, this may not happen," <laughs> you know. And I, I think it was like a, like an error between Jonathan Bond, Galaxy goalkeeper, and the defender that led to that to that corner kick. Uh, you know, Kellen Acosta provides a corner kick, it, it, it lands somewhere in the six yard box, and Chicharango is there to put it in. And to me, he he was he was one of the most. Uh, to me, it was a fa- one of my favorite players to watch during the season. Just how he played the game, how he attacked, everything. I think the LAFC are definitely going to miss him. I know they 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 weren't they're not able they weren't able to make him a DP because they, they, the the owner had mentioned it's going to blow up the roster. Um, I don't know why they couldn't make him a, a Tam or a Super Tam. You know, I don't know how much that messes up with the rules. You know how the Sally Sally cap rules mm-hmm. with MLS is so tricky and stuff. But to me, typically when a player asks for more money, um, you know, a lot of people like kind of look down on it and like, why are you asking for more money? But Chicho earned everything he, he he's gotten, like everything uh, he deserved to be uh, to me a million dollar player, a million dollar salary type of player. He, he to me he just deserved it because everything he did, and I don't think he was he was stepping out of line. He's every every year he was with LAFC, especially I think that what was it the, the COVID year. When he first came, you know, LAFC was really struggling in the 2021 year. Excuse me, they were really struggling. He, he kind of put them on their back. You know, Carlos Vela was was injured and all those different things, and he just proved time and time again he was that guy. And I think they're definitely going to miss him. Um, you know, when Chicho, you know, I think he, he wanted to stay, but if uh, unfortunate they weren't able to to pay him more. And look, sometimes this is this is part of the business. And I think this is Chicho. I was thinking like if they don't pay Chicho, he has to go because this is when he's hot. This is when he's going to be able to make more money, mm-hmm. you know. And he's he's had the production. He proved that he deserves more money, right? And I think it's unfortunate uh, just how the things go and, you know, the MLS salary caps. And I think they are going to miss him because I know they like to – they prefer to play with three wings uh, even in that four three three formation. But – as a number nine, sometimes you need a number nine I teach you to hold the ball, to be a physical body and those different things like that. Maybe Buanga could be that could be that replacement, uh, but we'll see. But I think what Chicho did in his two years with LAFC was amazing. And he was part – he, was, to me, was part of the reason why they won a lot of the games that season because sometimes they weren't able to score. And he was able to get a tap and he was able to score. And like I said, he scored against the Galaxy in the playoffs and he also scored against Austin FC – and then next round, and uh, I'm gonna miss him. He was just exciting to watch. It was an exciting player, awesome human being, and you know, I, I wish him the best. And Pachuca. Yeah, that was always something amazing to me because I think I remember in the summer they were talking about moving him, and I was like, "Why this guy is like tearing it up?" And then even yeah. after that, he he continued going on. I was like, "Oh, maybe they'll keep him because he's so crucial." But why would they want to get rid of him? But uh, it maybe be. I don't know. I guess he was gone either way, but I was thinking maybe because they won, they're like, all right, we can let him go. And, uh, but it seems like they were content to let him go anyway. Yeah. To me, it just never made sense. Even in the summertime, I'm mm-hmm. like, 
it, to me, it just never made sense to try to to try to let him go because I don't. I, I think they wanted a, a number nine that defended more and did a lot of those things. He did do some of those things, but maybe not to Steve Chirondolo's uh, at, at that summertime um, way. You know, obviously we don't know what, what's going on in the locker room, but I think there's a couple of reporters that report that had reported on Twitter that you know Steve Chirondolo wanted a nine that defended a lot more at the time. Chicho didn't defend, wasn't defending as much. But I mean, he's giving you goals, right? He's not—he's not necessarily slouching it out there in the field. And I think, well, Cole... yeah, and, and and LAFC only gave up thirty-eight goals this year. So why do you need your forward to defend more? Like, none of it makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look, that, <laughs> and that, that's that's what just to me it was it was was interesting, um, you know. And and I think with the U twenty-two initiative, I think I forget who they are. I think they got Mahala and Sifo under that. And then I think if you have the your third DP has to be around the same. You know, it gets tricky. You know, even for me, like even so, I'm like, man, what's going on with them? Unless you're trying to understand all the all the way about the roster mm-hmm. building and everything like that. But look, I would have loved uh, for Chicho to say, well, we'll see. We'll see how much they're going to miss him. I think they're going to miss him a lot. Mm-hmm. I like see knows that, and I think he was crucial. Um, he he was crucial for what they did and how they run things. Now I think I'm just gonna be I'm very interested to see how if they do pick up another winger they do pick up another uh, winger how they're gonna run that four three three formation because if there's not a number nine to have that you know that has those number nine attributes and qualities I think Boanga could potentially do it but we'll have to see and I think we'll we'll see what Steve Shonda and company do because they they do have the, the summer transfer window as well uh, if things don't work out for them. Yeah, so talking about bringing in somebody, it looks like they brought in um, a forward or winger called uh, who's only twenty years old, Stipe Buick um, from Croatia. But I mean, he's only twenty. It looks like he's only scored five goals in three seasons for his club team. So, what type of role do you see for for is is this going to be more of like a bench option or are they really looking at having him come in and challenge for a spot i think anytime you you know you bring in excuse me a young player like that 20 years old six feet you, you're going to want a bigger expectations for him but for right now i think you know if i'm just thinking off the bat i think the starters for me would be buanga uh carlos vela and then mahala those would be your top three you put buanga the nine or you have them rotate between the nine mm-hmm. position, the nine position. But yeah, Buick's definitely going to get an opportunity. We'll see if they do sign up another, sign another winger. Uh, they are missing a couple more players that you know so, uh, could sign up a couple players in the midfield. That I think they need one more, one more, one more, two more pieces in the midfield, and maybe another winger. But yeah, he's definitely going to get a shot there. But we'll have to see. I know they played yesterday. Uh, a couple people had tweeted that he looked good. It's a preseason game, right? You want to get as many preseason games. But look, once the regular season comes, once that once that first open game, we'll see if he even gets minutes against the Galaxy uh, and that home opener on February 25th. Um, you know, because those big games like that is what you see. Well, you see those type of players, what kind of players are they are. And we'll see how much he's able to Im- Im- improve and impress the coaches from now to the start of the season. But, yeah, he's right now with this current roster, he's definitely going to be used. Yeah, so we had a mention on Twitter that was talking about they want us to go over a little bit over the depth, and they add Aaron Wong. Is that a is he a starting eleven player right away? Is he somebody that's going to fill into those center back spots for LAFC? I think I think yes, he's definitely going to keep compete in there because uh, I don't think Eddie Segura uh, is fully healthy. 
Uh, and then Biaga ended up going to FC Dallas, I believe, or somewhere in Texas. Uh, so obviously you don't got Biaga. Uh, you got Jesus Murillo. So yeah, Aaron Long, he's definitely going to compete there. Um, it looks like it's going to be Aaron Long and um, Jesus Murillo for that. But like, there's going to be a lot of competition. I did get to see Aaron Long against uh, Colombia. I went to the, the, the Colombia versus U.S. men's national game, uh, national team game. It was cool to see Chicho go. This is right before Chicho was, was still uh, an LAFC player. A few few days later, now he's a Pachuca player. But I got to see Chicho go up against him and obviously Count Acosta. But one thing I did notice from Aaron Long that's not so positive, his, his Bobby's not known a player for, for his speed. He got beat a lot. Uh, when it came to when it came to pace, and he doesn't have a lot of pace, and these were a lot of youngsters that Colombia had. They, they weren't the, the the typical guys that they're the Colombian national team players. Only one that looks like had been there. Everybody looked really young except Chicho. It was it looked like Chicho and a bunch of kids. Like no disrespect, that's how I kind of like the Colombian national team kind of look. But a lot of the, the younger guys uh, were were kind of beating Aaron Long on pace, and I think that may be an issue uh, for Aaron Long because. There's fast guys in the MLS, you know. So and oh, Jesus Maria is not as not as. It's also, I want to. I want to. I say he's fast, but you know, you you do need one of those two guys. He's just gonna sit back a little bit more, and it may be Maria because he may have a little bit more pace. But I think that's the only that's the only question mark on how I have on Erlong is if he gets beat and if he if he's the last line of defense, it, it could not be. It will potentially not be good for Leipzig. Yeah, it seems like he hasn't really been the same since his injury uh, that he had um, a couple years ago, unfortunately. But I will say it's I, I will say it's Another. a good signing because um, LA Galaxy were also interested, mm-hmm. and the Galaxy, which I know we'll talk about, Galaxy were interested in him, but he decided to go with LAFC. And you know, you're starting to you see that shift there that Ilya Sanchez was also getting talked to by the Galaxy and ends up choosing LAFC. So there's there's. There's a lot of things. If, if they're coming to L.A., LAFC is the number one option. So it's like when Chelsea was trying to take players from Arsenal, the, the, the transfer targets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, you can put it that way. <laughs> uh, before we move on to L.A. Galaxy, though, uh, just looking ahead to this year, uh, what would be a successful season for 2020? Three, right? That's what you're worth. For 2023, what would be a successful season? Is it like a deep run in CCL? Is it uh, a League's Cup? Is it repeating? Or because some of those pieces are gone, is it like just okay to just win Supporter Shield or make the playoffs? Like, What would be a defining success for this team? Look, first thing I will say, look, I don't think this team is complete. I think this team could definitely change come summertime. Uh, I think Jose Cifuentes is a player that's probably going to move come summertime. There's just a lot of interest. He was, he was, he was speculated that he was going to leave over the winter, over the winter transfer window to to Brighton, I believe. I don't know what happened. I guess the deal ended up falling through. Um, so I think this team is going to look a lot different come summertime. And if they are able to get a big piece, get another big signing. Let's say uh, maybe it's not going to be Gareth Bell type of signing, but I think once the summertime, the LAFC has shown to be able to attract players all around the world. I think right now with this team is built, they're missing a few signings. But look, when you talked about this, yeah, it's a it's a deep run. I, I know we saw the Sounders win uh, CCL la, la, last season. Obviously, we know they fell short to the Saudi Arabia team who ended up being Flamingo. Uh, I think it was today, but 
yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, all expectations is for LAFC to, to, to make a deep run at, at CCL. We know last time that they were in there, they lost to the final to Tigres. I think, you know, even with the current roster, I think they're adding pieces at, at least the CCL final, and then you can kind of go from that. Um, and then you know, it gets tricky because you have you have Champions League, or you, you know you have a um, what's the term they're called between Liga Mackies and um, Leagues Cup, yeah, Leagues Cup, right? So yep. it's there's so many games. So you also want to showcase in Leagues Cup, right? You also want to do mm-hmm. you have a buy because uh, well, I think it's Pachuca and IFC are the two teams that have a buy. Yep. They don't have to play that initial game, uh, and then right you go into that. So I think you definitely want to have an awesome showcase in Leagues Cup. Um, and then how does the CCL, you know, I don't know when when that was going to start here in March, right? The LAFC goes down to Costa yeah. Rica. They go down to here, Costa Rica, here in a month. So there's a lot of games. I, I definitely say CCL, you know, go go to the final. And I think you got to get a trophy, whether it's a CCL trophy or MLS trophy. We saw what the Sounders did. I, I think it's very tough, you know, to, to, to do both. You know, I, we mm-hmm. saw how Sounders prioritize yeah. CCL, which is, which is smart. And I think if, if LAFC do a similar thing, you know, you, you can't really judge them. And then if they go really far and they end up winning CCL and you prioritize that, then I think, yeah, I think that's a, that would be, if they just win CCL, that's a, that's a big championship. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they'd be the second team in MLS. Then next year you talk about the Club World Cup. They got to get a trophy, whether, you know, I think it would be, I think a deep run, if not, no injuries or anything like that, either you get a trophy CCL or MLS or even Open Cup, you you won. You got to win one of those tro- one of those trophies. Like you got a deep team, you have a deep roster, um, you have a solid coach. Um, and even though there's there's been some t- some turnover, for the most part, those core guys are there. You still got Vela, you still got Buanga, you got Mahala, you have a solid goalkeeper backup. You know that for the longest time, LAFC was struggling with with a goalkeeper. Even though I know it's going to be John McCarthy, so they they have. A lot of pieces there. They just need to have a couple more, and I think them winning a, a, one of those trophies, U.S. Open Cup, CCL, and that I think would be very successful. All right, cool. I guess let's move on to the LA Galaxy, who finished fourth in the West last year um, under Greg Vanny, uh, which I think was their first time making the playoffs under Greg Vanny uh, because – Ever since he was hired there, I kept saying he was going to make it, and then uh, they struggled a few times. But uh, they exited the playoffs after losing to LAFC, as we just talked about. Chicharito had 18 goals last year. Jolovich had 11. But uh, some of their other DPs, like Douglas Costa, Samuel Grandsir, Kevin Cabral, were not really all that for this team. So... I guess just reflecting on LA Galaxy's year last season. Yeah, look, uh, looking here at the standings, they didn't, I believe they finished fourth or fifth. I, I forgot where, where they finished. Look, they, they, they had, no, they finished down the bottom. Look, they, they didn't finish in the top. Fourth. That way. Right. Fourth. They finished fourth. Yep. Um, and, you know, you had a lot of their DPs, uh, or specifically Douglas Costa, did not perform well. Kevin Cabral was was a a terrible signing. That's why he's no longer with the team. Um, You know, last season, even though they once they signed Ricky Puj, it was amazing. He's 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 another player that I love watching. The way he takes control of that midfield, the way he he, he's his elite passing, just the way he slows down the game uh, for 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 the Galaxy and their team. It was just impressive and amazing to watch what Ricky Puj could do on the field. 
And I think when I, I was like, man, if you had a, a DP, either the DPs, either Douglas Costa or Kevin Cabal was able to perform as someone as a, 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 a okay level, I think they were, they were just, they performed for what they were getting poured, very poor. Uh, you know, Chicharito was only, was only consistent DP. Um, you know, Douglas Costa got injured. He got a red card. Kevin Cabral was just getting pushed around. He really lacked a lot of confidence. Um, so it's kind of tough, even though they, 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 they went two out of three on the DPs or one out of three on their DPs. They made a great, great run. They, they battled with LAFC all the way till the end. It was a last minute game winner, a heartbreaking game, game winner that, that moved on to LAFC. Cause I felt like that game between LAFC and LA Galaxy was going to, was, was, I had the chance of winning the MLS Cup. Cause just the way LA, LA Galaxy went, finished the season hot. They're the hottest team going into the playoffs. And that's what it is when it comes to momentum. It just so happened there was just, LAFC just had more depth. And that's that's when it beat them. They just had more depth, and and him losing to to a good team. I think last season, I think they were disappointed how they started, but they finished strong. But I think when you have these type of signings and you have this type of coach like a Greg Vanny coach, you expect them to go a little bit further, a little bit, at least have a better, at least to be able to meet at least uh, an LAFC in the Western Conference Finals. You know, um, I think that's. What this team has the how the talent to do it, and I think on that aspect was disappointing. But I think the way they finished the season uh, was was very strong, and now we look onto this year. But I think the the French project uh, bringing um, uh, you know Grand Sir uh, Kevin Cabral and uh, who's other Ryan Ravelson, you know if you look at it, it wasn't really a successful camp. It wasn't really a successful project bringing in the French guys because they brought a lot of French guys because to me, Grant Sir was, was the best signing out of those, but he was making North of 900,000 and he was effective. He did score a lot of goals against LAFC and then the big moments, but he just wasn't able to be as consistent as you expect a player that, that makes that much money. And now he's not with them. And uh, on a system that depends on wingers, they're very thin on wingers to start this year. And like you said, there's 18 days left till the season starts. You know, they have a, a DP slot open. Uh, what are the signings? <laughs> You'd like to have the DP, you know, now to get used to them, you know. And, you know, you, you're going to have to count on Douglas Costa right now to be one of the wingers. And, and, and if he can't stay healthy, you know, you kind of scratch your head right now with the Galaxy. But look. They're very talented, even with Ricky Pooja and everything like that. They can have somewhat a successful season, but there's a lot of things that that are hurting the galaxy with you know not having the opportunity to sign players over over the over the summer transfer window. So they got till what is it, April 24th, when this transfer window closes. All right, I want to get into um, kind of the juicy stuff, the stuff that's been blowing up Twitter. Uh, I know because this will. This will be quite a topic to kind of cover. I know a lot of LA Galaxy fans are not happy. Um, a lot of league fans aren't happy. Um, since 2014, Chris Klein took over. They won an MLS Cup uh, under his reign. But since then, it just has been kind of in turmoil. It seems like the club has just declined. The product on the club, you know, on the field just isn't there. And then you have LAFC come into the league, and LAFC look like the darling child. They're spending the money. Um, there was a scathing article um, when uh, Chris Klein was suspended by MLS uh, for the Christian Pavone um, 2019 stuff with this transfer. Uh, it seemed that, you know, Chris Klein uh, was given uh, 
some leeway because of the financials. He brings in a new sponsor for the kits. He's bringing in great revenue, breaking records and, and, and TV ads and all sorts of different things. But then Galaxy fans, of course, are not happy because the product on the field just doesn't match what they're spending and what they're doing and how much money they're bringing in. Fast forward to this offseason, and Chris Klein is now given a contract extension. Uh, can you kind of talk to just this situation as a whole? What's the vibe around L.A.? I, I mean, I, I can see clearly what it is uh, amongst the supporter groups, but can you kind of just give us the lay of the land on, on what's going on with Chris Klein and how the fans and how does this all resolve? I, I just don't feel like there's really a solution that's going to make anybody happy. Yeah, look, it's bizarre to me. You know, Chris Klein, obviously we know now he, he's being – He's being judged by how, how, you know, by the type of money he brings in. But, like, obviously, I think in, in the way the Galaxy are being, you know, they're owned by AEG. If people aren't familiar with who AEG, they own Crypto.com, who is also Staples Center. They own Coachella. They own the LA Kings. They own the Galaxy. They know own a number of venues and events and stuff like that. So it's, it's a big, big, big corporate company. And to me, Galaxy falls probably, in my opinion, near the bottom, or it's not a priority. Let's put it that way. It's not a priority, like potentially crypto.com or Coachella or whatever um, to them. And I think you see a, 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 an individual like Chris Klein um, who gets to keep his job, even though the product on the field is not good, right? You, you talk about, you know, not winning championships. And I think to me, it, it would just, which is it's just so odd when you look at, you know, you, even if you're AEG, you get to living in LA and being there, you get to see how LAFC has just kind of taken over just, just within the city of LA. You see more LAFC stuff, more LAFC paraphernalia all over the city. Um, I, they just won a championship. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't get any bigger than that, right? You just won a championship, right? And um, the guy that's at the helm gets to keep his job. And you're like, what is going on? Right. And it, to me, it just never it made sense. And I think to me, I've been saying this, I think AG just needs to sell the galaxy because they're, they're, they're not a number one priority. Their fans are not, number one, not a number one priority. Um, the way this team is being managed is not a number one priority. They also put players and coaches in an odd position to be in. Like, obviously, you, you, wanna, you want your fan support, but you also you're not going to go talk bad about your fans because of what's going on. So you, and then you also got your boss who's Chris Klein coming to see you guys practice, who's getting torn up on Twitter by the fan. So it's just like, if you're a player, a coach is just so awkward, right? Greg Vanny has to answer for Chris Klein and all these different things. It's just such a weird uh, work dynamic. And I think it's just weird. And I, I look, I, I don't know how, if I was Chris Klein and, you know, I'm assuming he's making millions of dollars to be in that position. So it's not a position he's just going to want to let go, um, you know, that easily. But whatever him and uh, Dan Beckerman, who's his boss, I, th- I had a, a, a supporter actually reached out. He wanted to be a, on my podcast. He had been supporting the Galaxy, I want to say since the beginning. He'd been in the supporter group since 2014. And he said he was just fed up. They all collectively decided to, to boycott the team, all the supporter groups, because they were frustrated. Uh, um, by Chris Klein's performance and why even when the team announced the team didn't even announce that he got a he got a new contract or try to like be sneaky about it through like a YouTube video and I think that's what really pissed off a lot of people was like you can't even be direct or honest and I think you get to see how Galaxy go how they run their business and how they go kind of like a snake oil salesman it feels like you know what I'm saying like that's the best way I can describe yep. it 
that's how that's how the galaxy are running the business with their fans they're they're snake oil salesmen and it's it's just like like bro people can see through the bs like you know what i'm saying like like why like if, no one likes to get treated that way right and i don't know what ag things are like oh yeah it's just these soccer fans and everything to me is insane because if you had a person who knew what they were doing they would make way more money than Chris Klein is making for them. Look, LAFC just got a ten million a year. I think ten million a year, or a million a year deal with BMO, right? For 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 the rights, uh, I think it's a ten million for ten years or something yep. like that. Like a million a year or something like that. I could have the number wrong. Um, but like, Galaxy could do the same thing if they had someone that was a little bit more competent and you know uh, was doing a couple more things. And for whatever reason, AG Dan Beckham, they don't they they don't see that. And like, yeah, Chris Conn is making you money, but imagine if a person knew what the heck they were doing. They would make this team way more money. You get better signings. You get more people in the stands. Because as far as I know, the way that MLS, the teams make money is, is by obviously the jersey sales, the ticket sales, and all these different things. And it, to me, it just seems like AEG is okay with the mediocreness that we see from Chris Klein. I don't, I don't think he's, he's, he's losing the money. I don't, I'm shocked he's not losing. I don't know how that. I don't know how that's possible. I just I'm, I'm flabbergasted, and I'm like, damn. And I think you know, it just gets to think like, I don't know what he does. Like, I literally don't know what he does, <laughs> and I'm not trying to be rude. I no, I get it. Know, yeah, I literally don't know what he does. Um, they don't have a at the time. They don't, I don't know if they have a stats person and all these different things that normal clubs have. They didn't have that, and that all falls on Chris Klein. Like, how do you not have this? Uh, type of stats and looking at stats on how your players are when everywhere in the MLS and around the world have all these, you know, these people that take stats and all these different things. They don't have that. And I'm like, what do you like? What do you do? I've seen him a couple of times. Um, and I just I'm just I just don't know what, what he does, to, to be honest with you. And I don't know how is how much he does of the recruiting and the type of players they're bringing to me as far as since Greg Vanny's come in, since when uh, Guillermo Barroscoloto, Guillermo had the context of Argentina. He's the mm-hmm. one that brought Christian Pavone. He's the one that brought all these uh, Argentinian players and all these things. I don't think that was Chris Klein. Maybe he was cleaning, finesse, cleaning up the deals or whatever, but I, I just don't know what he does. And it, 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 it's unfortunate for Galaxy fans and it's unfortunate for what they got to go through, but it just that that's just their reality. And, it, and it's unfortunate for them um, because even with all that going on, all they're going on. They almost beat LAFC last season. And you're like, I think if you if you just got to be thinking, they're like, damn, imagine if we had someone that knew what the hell was doing. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's not that hard to, 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 to convince players. Maybe now it is with LAFC winning a championship, but it's not that hard if you start to change the culture. And I think what I'm noticing from, from MLS players are like, if you have a chance, LAFC is your first option and Galaxy is second option because you don't really want to play in an empty stadium when you compare it, right? And, and you don't want to play when you're playing, fans are boycotting and, and you see the atmosphere of what LAFC can bring. And if I'm a player, say, I'm right, I'm going to go over there. They can go, I can go play Champions League. I can go there. I feel like, I, it looks like people, play, all the players love it there. You know, all the players love it. Galaxy just seems like the ownership, it's not the fans, it's just the ownership is, is bad and, and the front office on how they're doing it. And I think, it's just it's bizarre to me, and I don't get it. And we'll see what happens because fans, supporters are there. I know there are some fans are are still going to go to the game. Um, and look, fans should do what they want. If they want to boycott. They want to boycott. If they want to go. They want to go. And it just it's just sad because 
because this is a big game. This is Galaxy's home opener game. They used to play at the Rose Bowl. You could sit up to 100,000 people, 90,000 people, whatever the number is. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. I don't know if Chris Klein is going to look at himself. And, and you know, because typically people in, that, in, a, in a position like that, in a situation, be like, man, maybe I should step down. But I don't, I don't get the sense from Chris Klein thinking like, thinking like, hey, maybe I should put someone else, uh, this team ahead of me and step down. And it's, I would just feel weird to be in a position where no one likes me um, and still continue to be working there. I, to me, it's just insane. But look, that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, I mean, this should be the premier MLS franchise, right? Like, this should be the biggest club. There's still so many articles over in the UK when somebody's linked to LAFC that calls them the Galaxy because that's the name mm. they know, right? It should be a slam dunk to have... I mean, you won so many titles. You're the one that brought Beckham over. It should be no problem. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm looking at all this stuff. Chris Klein, obviously, I've been watching old games on the Apple TV. You know, he played at Galaxy from... 2007 to 2010 um, as a midfielder, but then somehow became the president in 2014 without any history of being. Yeah. I think he was working within the front office yeah. career. He had worked in there. And then I think the guy that was the president at the time, look, I, I don't know everything, but he got promoted to that job because a guy that was there left and he just got promoted. Like, so it was just, but look, it just goes to show that like, just cause you played in the league doesn't mean you're going to mm-hmm. be successful, whether it's a coach or someone in the front office. And he has, he's had more, more than enough time to prove, to prove, uh, to prove that he, that he is the right guy. But look, if your bosses aren't going to fire you, if your bosses, you can only blame Chris Klein so much, right? If AG, yeah, at some point it has to go to AG, yeah. Yeah, if AG and the, and the heads of AG are okay with it, then it just goes to show that there's a big disconnect with the fans and, and, and the ownership group and the, and the front office people. Because when you have a professional club team, yeah, your fans are always going to be upset, always going to say, but you at least want to know that they have your back and it doesn't seem like you have your back. And I think it's just so weird how some of these companies operate and you don't have the core of your customers who are the fans and the supporters. And you don't listen to them. And it, it's not like it's hard for like the Galaxy to recruit another GM. I don't think it would be hard. I think there's a lot of people that'd be like, oh, that guy's out? Oh, I'll definitely, I'll definitely go put my hat on that. I, I can definitely, definitely run this club way better than he did. You know, like there's, there's plenty of other people that you, whether the Sounders or wherever, just name it anywhere else that you've had somewhat, uh, somewhat of a success. And now you can manage a team in LA. You have the resources, you have the brand of the other galaxy. There's just so many people that would, would, I, I would, I would assume would want, would could take that job and do a much, much better job than Chris Klein. But if AEG doesn't see it that way and they're okay with what I think what Galaxy has mediocre in mm-hmm. of that, then it's only going to go so far. And I think maybe this is what has to happen in order to get new, maybe new, new front office folks and everything like that. Not everybody that works at the Galaxy is, is bad. I'm going to say that. There, there's amazing people that work there, but right. Chris Klein being the face of that and you know, fans wearing clown shirts and everything like that uh, of your face is just, it's just <laughs> insane. It just kind of just, just overshadows of the, the work they're trying to do. So I, I have a main question as an outsider that's watched Galaxy um, last season. You know, Chicharito was scoring. 
um, a lot. But then kind of near the end of the season, I feel like Jovalich came in and started scoring a lot. But it seems like Jovalich would never start, right? It was always like coming on to save the day or they couldn't figure out a way to play both of them in the game. What's what's the answer there for this year? Is it possible for them to both play in the same starting 11 or is it going to be sort of the same story as last year? Look, that's what I've always wanted. This goes back to Greg. Greg, What Greg has told us, he said he doesn't like playing a 4-4-2. He just doesn't like it. And I'm like, I don't understand why. You have guys that double-digit scoring. Jovalich was a way better way better option than Kevin Cabral ever was. And that I knew that since the beginning of the season. He would come in, you give him two minutes, he already scores a goal. And... I think what Greg Vanny, from what I from what I saw, he, he just said that Chicharito and Jovovich are the same player. And I'm like, okay, they are. But, like, what's wrong with two players that play similar and can score goals? Like, that that's something I could just never get through my mind. Like, I just – I'm like – and that's where I think uh, there's a little bit, like, um, at least to me, like, I think Greg Vanny is a great coach. Um, he's a solid coach. But to me, it's like, how, do, how can you not make two goal scorers work, even though they play similar, right? Like – are you not willing or open to switch your formation to adjust what they have to do or play one ahead of the other? Like, even if, you know, like a one, one, one at the top, you know, like I just didn't understand that. And you, you saw Jovovich stepped up in the biggest moments. He tied that goal against the, against LAFC two, two. So it was going to essentially take it to overtime. It could have been any, anybody's game. Um, and Greg, Greg Vanny just doesn't like playing that. Now, with the limited wingers that they have, if they don't get any wingers or any, you know, signings here soon, they're gonna he's going to be forced to play a 3-5-2. I've been a Jovich proponent. And, look, Jovich was consistent throughout the whole season. The reason why he didn't get he didn't get any minutes was because Greg Vanny kept playing or played as many games as he should have. Greg Vanny kept playing Kevin Cabral over uh, – Greg Vanny kept playing uh, a bust of a player who was Kevin Cabral and who was Greg Vanny's guy, he was, he was just too stubborn. To me, Greg Vanny was just too stubborn on wanting to keep playing Kevin Cabral. Um, and just uh, Kevin Cabral never – was never the guy, unfortunately. He was just never the guy. And we, we just saw that Kevin, with Greg Vanny really wanting to ride Kevin Cabral. That wasn't the solution. Uh, Jovich was a solution and what, what he's proven. Um, We'll have to see, but I, I think to, I think I've always always mentioned this. I always thought it was, it was a mistake uh, for him not to be able to figure out. And if he can't figure out how to play two goal scorers, look, it may not be easy. It may be different. Maybe the depth and the bench is different. But why not go with your heavy hitters? You know, you know, Jovic can go ninety minutes. Maybe mm-hmm. Chich, Chich is the one that that can't play probably eighty eighty five minutes. But that, that's something to me that still boggles my mind. And people are like, oh. It was, I'm like, bro, I've, I've been watching this game for a long time. Anytime someone can score goals, it doesn't come around easy. Like, give that man as many minutes. He scored, what would you say, 11, 12 goals? 11, half, yeah. Half, half the minutes, half the games. In my mind, doing simple math, you give him the same minutes that Kevin Cabral got, or the same opportunities, because Cabral had amazing opportunities. He just couldn't finish. He couldn't finish. And I was like, in the back of my mind, every time I saw that, I was like, oh, that was Jovovich. That would be a goal. That, that would that would be a goal, and that's what everybody kept saying. Um, he's already said that he's the future of the galaxy, the future of the Serbian national team. The Serbian national team is was pretty solid. I'm assuming you saw them go up against Brazil. There, even though I think they didn't make it past the 
past the uh, past the group stage, but they're they're, they're a solid team. They have they have they have a, a lot of talent there. And Jovic, to me, I, I love watching Jovic play. Uh, I think he deserves more minutes, and I think he deserves to play. With Chicharito, I just I just don't know why that still bothers my mind. I hope we get to see him play more, and I think if Greg is able to adjust his formation because you have a player like Ricky Puj who could, who could give him that service, whether it's Chicha or or, or, or Jovic, because I don't know. You, you you just have two goal scorers there. Look, there's other clubs that play four four two or play with two strikers up top. I don't know why Greg Vanny doesn't want to or struggling to figure out how to play them together. Yeah, it should always be, in my opinion, it should always be, uh, you know, not sticking to a rigid system because that's what you like. It should be, if I am handed these players, I have to work with what I got, right? So if I have two strikers that are going to put up double-digit goals and I'm going to try to get both of them on the field as much as possible together, you know? Yeah, you tell one of them to drop back more. You're going to tell Jovic, obviously, to drop back more because mm-hmm. he's not going to want – Chicharito's not going to be the one depend, uh, defending, you know, right, without right. respect to him. Chicharito's going to be the one up top. And I, I don't think Jovic would have a problem with that. He wants to play. Like, that's just – you know what I'm saying? Like, he yep. has to do the dirty work. And, you know, so I think also also depends on the matchup. also depends who you're playing. But I think for most for most teams and most games, Jovic could be that guy to start with Chicharito. All right, so looking ahead to 2023, um, they uh, they go and sign Memo Rodriguez, Chris Mavinga. Um, their defense was just not great last year, um, gave up upwards of 50 goals, um, have struggled tremendously with defense, it seems. Um, they're struggling to find players to get into this team. You talked about it at length that just the, the fact that they just seem to not be able to put, you know, the pieces together that they need to put together, figure out how pieces play together. Um, I mean, looking forward to 2023, Gio, is there positive things that this Galaxy fan base can look for? And what do you expect from them with, I mean, I mean, there's no transfers coming in in the summer. They have a transfer ban. They can't get transfers in. There's all this stuff with Chris Klein. It's got to be a distraction for Vanny. Like you said, he's got to work with the guy. Um, he's his boss. I mean, what, what does the 2023 season look like for this Galaxy team with very little added and, you know, really just kind of in this spot where they're just going to be playing second fiddle to an LAFC right down the street? Look, it's going to be a tough season for the Galaxy. Um, I, I think it will, especially not being able to add, you know, players in the summer. So you got to add all of them before April 24th, before the MLS transfer was it closes. So, well, look, you, you know, you lost Grant, sir. You need to pick up another winger. I don't, I don't think even Douglas Costa is is, is going to be that guy. You know, unfortunately, <clears throat> you're going to have to ride with him for this final season. Um, the good thing is you have a goal scorer. You have, you have Chicharito. You have two. We just talked about them. Right? You, have, you have them. The other thing is you have a whole – you're going to have a whole season with Ricky Puj. Ricky Puj was amazing. You have Mark Delgado, who was also amazing. I, I feel like they're going to have a strong midfield. Their midfield is going to be really, really strong. Um, you know, you, you just got you just got a lot of depth there as well, and what they what they can do. This just come on the defensive end. Look, it's unfortunate for Juan Araujo, who was who was who who was supposed to go to Barcelona. Uh, he was he it didn't happen because Barcelona was 18 seconds too long. Whatever. Yeah, that was it's awful. Un- <laughs> that was horrible. Yeah, I feel I feel terrible for Juan Araujo because he deserved to move on. Especially, you know, even though if it was going to be with Barca, or Barca B, he deserved to move on. Um, 
and it's crazy how life works. You know, he has to come back and play with the Galaxy. Maybe he can develop his skills and maybe he can go to Barcelona during the summer. That's the one positive thing is that getting Julian Araujo back, uh, uh, right back. Um, you know, I'm assuming Raheem Edwards is going to be the left back. And then you got Sega Koulibaly and then Martin Cassettes. And Martin Cassettes, I believe he came during the summer, summer transfer window uh, last season. So now you're going to have another full season with him. You have a solid goalkeeper in Jonathan Bond, even though they were scored on a lot. A lot of the, the stuff was just because, like, the center back pairing took the LA Galaxy a lot a lot because it was Derek Williams. Sometimes it was Koulibaly. Sometimes, I believe it was Eric Savaleta. There was just injuries. So, like, Martin Cassettes and Sergio Koulibaly could be, that, could be those guys. Then you have somewhat of a solid foundation with Raheem Edwards and, and Joan Arago. Where it gets tricky is if Drew and Araujo leaves. The Galaxy can't bring any players, but their players can't leave. You know, so that's 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 the that's the tricky thing, right? So if Drew and Araujo leaves during the summer, which I think he should, and hopefully the Barcelona interest is still there, then you you're gonna have to find a replacement, right? Who's gonna be that guy? So I think that they, they will have a so, they can have a solid team, but not being able to add any pieces that that summer come that summer transfer window is going to be tough for them because what if injuries happens? What if something happens to, I don't want to name a player to somebody, someone gets injured. Who are you going to bring? Uh, you know, like what's going to happen? You know, what, what if you're not flowing? What if you need another defense? You know, what if Joe Naranjo and someone else leaves, right? Like how is the replacement? So there, there's just so many questions. I think to start from now to the summer, they, they, they will have, they, they have somewhat of a core at least for the starters to go, let's say, let's say we give, um, let's say all is good and we give Douglas Costa 60 minutes because he gets guessed out from 60 to 70 minutes. So he's a 70 minute player as a DP. Um, who's coming off the bench to replace him for the last 20 minutes? You know, who, who, who's giving you, who's giving you that intensity? Who's giving you that? You know, if I feel like the Galaxy will be a good team. It's just last season they just like they just lacked depth. They had a solid. They had for the most part to finish out the year. They had a solid starting eleven. But when it came to the bench, you look at the bench and you're like, who am I gonna bring? Like who's gonna? And Frank Alvarez, who, who I loved when he was coming up the uh, up with G two, but he's proven not to be the guy. Unfortunately, he's not in shape. He's not. He's not. He doesn't take his career serious as, as you would expect him to be, you know, a, a player with so much talent. So just God-given talent. He only wants to work on the le left foot and doesn't want to use his right foot. And he has the capability of scoring, but uh, only with his left. But once you figure that out, once you shut him down and he, he doesn't have the physique of a professional player, that's where it just gets limited for the Galaxy, unless they're able to sign a big DP or something like that from now into the 24th. But I think the same thing, the same question, the same questions and concerns is going to be that galaxy depth. Because if you look at the stars, you're like, okay, they have a solid starters. But once you look at the bench, if those, even if those guys say it, like I said, one guy gets injured, that starting 11 starts to get, starts to get weak. You know, as if they ever play 90 minutes with Chicharito and Douglas Costa may not be able to play for 90 minutes. Like, you know, the, the pieces coming off the bench, they just don't got that depth, and I think that's the biggest Achilles heel this season. All right, so you said that you think they'll be a good team, but what is a successful season for the Galaxy this year? They finished fourth in the West. You would think that they would want to go on an upwards trajectory, but what is successful for, for this Galaxy team? 
Man, it's, it's so tough because I think that uh, um, if everybody's able to stay healthy and say, let's just say Joe Naraho is the only player that leaves this summer, uh, you could definitely find a replacement for him somewhat, somewhere. Um, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think they're going to finish as high as fourth because the season's so long. The season's so long and you have uh, uh, the, the League's Cup. You have the league's cup, right? You're gonna have those games. Both leagues are gonna shut down. They're gonna have a want to have a great performance during that. I, I just think the galaxy are gonna break down. I, I just unfortunately because they they won't have that that summer transfer window so key and crucial because that's how they got Ricky Puj. I think that's how they got Christian Pavone too. That those are those are big signings that change your team from being like, all right, the galaxy last season went from like maybe not making the playoffs to like bam, the hottest team. Ricky Puj was that guy, and you you don't you don't have that option this season. You don't have that option. To, who's the guy? Give me give me the spark. Oh damn! I need a midfielder. I need a I need a a right back. We need to go sign a right back because we know Joe Naraho. You just don't have that. You got to do it now. You're right. If you're able to do that and sign everybody now, right? But then uh, say your opponents know how to break you down. Like if we just sign a striker, we sign this or that. You know you, you you're going. Everybody else has an upper hand on the LA Galaxy. And that's just unfortunate because of what Chris Klein did and how he handled those things. To me, I, I think they're just going to they're gonna break down towards the end. I am going to give them some optimism. I think with all that, I think they, they barely make it into the playoffs because I think now they're saying eight, nine teams are going to fight for playoffs. So half the league is going to have a shot. Like, I don't think... I don't think the regular season is going to matter anymore. <laughs> you know, more than like, half. We're going to have eighteen yeah. out of twenty-nine teams uh, yeah, if they insane. go with nine. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Like, so they got a shot. I, the guy, if that happens, they have a shot. If nine teams from each conference have a shot, like eighteen, yeah, eighteen out of twenty-nine teams, that you know, they have a shot. I think they just. I think they 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 they're they're going to be towards the towards the bottom. I don't. Let me put it this way: they're not going to be as high as fourth. But I do think they'll be able to make the playoffs because Ricky Pooj can change the game. Um, you, may, you may have some surprises. You may have other teams that may have uh, uh, injuries and everything like that. But if Ricky Pooj and Mark Delgado, and I'm forgetting Gascon, Brugman, Gascon, Brugman, if, if they're able to control the midfield, because a lot of these games, if you control the midfield, you may not have a solid defense. But if you can control that ball, not going back, back, back behind you, if you have Ricky Pooj just commanding. Ricky Pooch is so, so good in tight spaces. So, so good. And if you limit how many times the ball goes behind you, which Ricky Pooch did, and that's why they were the hottest team going into the playoffs, I think Ricky Pooch is really going to push them and everything. He's able to give them the service to Chicharito, Jovic, or Douglas Cost, whoever it is. I don't know. I don't see them finish as high as fourth because I got LAFC, I got the Union, I got Austin, um, Seattle. I just have those teams, Portland, you know, I just don't have them as high as fourth, but I think they will get into the playoffs and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But I just think I see them in the playoffs. I think they can make a deep run at U.S. Open Cup because we saw what they did last year. Um, but look, I think I think they got to prioritize. If they're able to have a deep run like they did in the U.S. Open Cup, then you got to prioritize Open Cup. You got to prioritize. You know, I don't, it's going to be hard to prioritize League Cup unless you're hot and you're, you're formed in the summer. Right and look, you guys make these teams aren't going to make it easier. They're very physical teams. They're they're going to push you, especially when you have Chicharito on your team. That they're going to want to they want to make it known that you know like Liga Mekis is better, right? So I think they have a they have a good shot at League's Cup. I mean, excuse me, at US Open Cup. Um, 
because I don't know if LAFC, I don't know which teams are going to prioritize U.S. Open Cup when you have all these other tournaments going on. But I think where they could potentially win a trophy um, is U.S. Open Cup. And I think they got a good shot at that. And and they have a good shot at making the playoffs, but I don't. I wouldn't put them. Like I could be wrong, but I, I don't think they're going to be as high as four as what they were last year. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Gia. Where can people find all of your work at? Where can people follow you? Yeah, uh, you guys can follow me at, at Gio Gio Garcia LA uh, on Twitter. Uh, I also have a podcast talking about both teams uh, on LA Soccer Hub, all social media, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Um, yeah, talking about these two teams. Uh, you know, it, it's a big season. Uh, you got the Apple TV. Now we're going to have everything under one thing. I signed up for Apple TV. You know, I'm excited. I've, I've been watching, you know, some of the videos and everything, some of the things that the, the content's producing there. So I'm excited for that. So, yeah, I'm talking about both teams on the podcast. So, yeah, you guys check me out there at Gio Garcia LA or LA Soccer Hunt. That was Gio Garcia talking with us about LA Galaxy, LAFC. Logan, I want to just plead to you for a bit here. You got Apple TV. You got the MLS now. Go back and watch some of these games because let me tell you, this Galaxy team, when when they were pre-Cline, right, Uh <laughs> We're a sight to behold, okay? Like, go back and uh, they have, for people that don't know, they have every MLS club, cup. They have every all-star game on this service. They even have some classic games as well. I, I watched, um, I even live-tweeted with it. Like, the, I watched uh, David Beckham's first start, uh, LA Galaxy versus Red Bulls. And guess who saw? I saw entering the game, uh, Chris Klein, uh, you know, was was in that game as well. But I wanted to clarify some things that I was able to look up here. Chris Klein is the president, right? If you look at the GM history, he's never actually been the GM. And Bruce Arena was GM when he was here. And then it went to, uh, it was like general manager and manager was like the same thing for a lot of people until like 2018 when they had uh, Dennis Teclosa as their GM and they had uh, Dominic Kinnear as an interim manager. And then uh, Bear Schletto was a manager. And then once Vanny got here, it looks like that's when uh Teclosa left. And then Vanny, it now says under Wikipedia shared responsibility. So I clicked that and it took me to, um, I guess an interview with Vanny when they asked about who would be running the front office, he said it's a collaborative effort and that's how he always operates. So Chris Klein and Kravoski, who is the, uh, where, where is he at on this list here? Sorry. I have, he's the technical director, Kravoski and Klein as the president and Vaney are the ones making these, decisions for players so it's not fully chris klein just a roundabout way of saying we don't know who the issue is uh we don't know anything really but you know uh chris klein got in trouble for whatever he did and now um somehow got an extension and it, it is a mess but Logan, I implore for you to go back and watch those days where you'll see Robbie Keane scoring and you'll have Beckham and Donovan on the field. Those were, and you know, 
that one that you mentioned, the the championship they won with Klein in 2014. Yeah, guess who built that team? Not him. Uh, it is mostly stacked still from their other runs before Klein took over. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I I do want to go watch uh, some of those because it was it was like a star filled LA. Like I can always remember, yes. I had a neighbor that watched, and he was a Philadelphia Union fan. Um, but like also, Me? yeah, you um, no, he was a Union fan. Eventually, like he had a bunch of Union stuff in his room um, when the Union oh, came right. around. But before then, he was he followed the Galaxy because the Galaxy were always the ones on ESPN. So he mm-hmm. would follow the Galaxy, and he's a little younger than me, but he would follow the Galaxy. And I remember him having the Landon Donovan kit. Like I can remember those days. I can remember the David Beckham signing and how big of a deal that was for the soccer world at the time. I was not in it at that time, but just this team, man, I, I, I am excited to watch the Apple TV plus stuff. Cause I think it's great. And they have a great interview with Chicharito. If you haven't seen it already, with I haven't Reedy. watched that yet. It's I, so good. I was watching the player profiles yeah. earlier. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on that Apple TV Thing. they crushed it so far <laughs> like they really did so we'll, we'll hope it continues in, in the quality of product all right logan so we just you know uh we just told everybody about the apple tv stuff but when we're looking at la you know we're gonna do our season preview later but just kind of what are your thoughts on that interview just we just had with geo and kind of where you see both of these teams heading uh into 2023 you know, it's kind of fun with that interview is that Gio convinced me because I, I had some questions about LAFC, but I was more convinced that LAFC is going to be fine. And I think with the money and, and resources that they have, that they'll continue to add players and, and get better. Maybe it's a little bit of a step back this year, but it's not going to completely blow up. I, I think that they're, you know, one player away again from being a really, really good team. They're already a really good team, but uh, I think, getting back to that level of last year, they need uh, somebody else to kind of replace Chicho. Um, The opposite for LA Galaxy. He actually made me feel worse about the Galaxy than I already did because uh, it just, it seems to me that, and and you mentioned this and he's mentioned it, this year you have US Open Cup, you have Leagues Cup, you have MLS Cup, you have Supporter Shield. Uh, you have the injuries that are going to happen because you have an aging roster. You have Chicharito, who's not going to be able to play all these games. You have Jovalich trying to figure out his role. It scares me because if somebody goes down in this Galaxy lineup, Jordan, they can't do anything to add. They don't have a summer transfer window. So the only thing they can do is add MLS quality players up until that certain point in April that he talked about. So this is... I think the Galaxy will be okay. I think they're a playoff team, especially if they incorporate this new playoff system, which is crap. Um, but if they do this, I think that they are a playoff team, but I would I would state what Geo did. I, I think that they, they could see the bottom half of that playoffs, maybe even out of it if things don't quite bounce the right way. Throw in Chris Klein being an absolute distraction. So that's my thoughts. How do you feel? Anything different from what you felt before? Huh, that's a good question. I'm actually kind of more down on LAFC than I was going into this. Um, just the loss of Chicho Arango, you know, it seems to be something that 
I think is a mistake. And I've kind of thought that way the whole time, right? Like we were talking to Gio, I said, you know, they're, they're trying to sell them in the summer last year. And I'm like, why you're making you, we agreed last year, MLS cup or bust for this team. And you're going to get rid of a guy that's scoring goals for you. Like that didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. And I guess with the galaxy side of things, I guess I'm a little down on them too, because hearing his answer about, well, it's just Vanny doesn't like playing with two strikers. Get over it. <laughs> I, you're, you're a professional manager and this drives me nuts, right? This drives me nuts with uh, Greg, uh, Jesse Marsh, any person that is just beholden to the system that may not even fit the players he has, or if his players fit better in a different system, then change it, right? Like, you can't be a specialist in one thing. I'm sorry, you can't. It doesn't make any sense. It limits you as a manager. It limits what jobs you can take. It limits your success. Like, and I know this is going to sound dumb, right? But, like, okay, when I play FIFA, I know this is not real life, so don't come at me. But when I play FIFA, I don't think, oh, I love playing 4-3-3. I am going to change this team to it. I usually play whatever team their, their their formation already is. And I make those players work in that system. Now, that's a video game. But in real life, I think you should be able to do the same thing. I think you should be able to look at it and say, this player is scoring goals. And he's 23 years old, Yelovich. Do I really want to push him out to where we're, he pulls an Arango and wants to leave? Because... He's not getting playing time or he's coming in in the 60, 70th minute every single week. Or do I find a way to satisfy him and also help me score goals that is ultimately going to help push me up the table as well? And that, especially when you have Chicharito, who has been so inconsistent with injuries, you know, like it, it's there's got to be a way to get both of them on on the on the team in the starting eleven. I don't care if you like playing with with two at the top or not. Change your change your ways. Um, I always think managers should have backup options for formations. I think they should have if something's not working, being able to adapt and say, "All right, now we're doing this." Tell the team you know, to the sub that's coming in. So I guess I'm a little down on Vanny in that, in that sense of it, but I think they'll work it out. I think they'll make the playoffs not to spoil my prediction, but I mean, what only eight teams are going to miss the playoffs. Is is that right? If they do nine and you have 18 out of 29, no, 11 teams, sorry. 11 teams are going to miss the playoffs out of 29 teams, which is um, a lot. Uh, a lot of teams making it, not a lot of teams missing it. You pretty much, sorry, this is going to be somebody getting caught with a stray here, but you pretty much have to be like the Chicago Fire to miss the playoffs this year. <laughs> Jordan, are you sure it's not the NYCFC Chicago Fire? Or yes. It, okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, <laughs> Dang, man. The Chicago Fire fans just like completely. <laughs> They're like, what the hell did we do? 
Why are we like the only team you can think of when St. Louis is new? Like, what is happening? Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Houston but, will join you. Chicago. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's yeah. kind of the downside is, again, not to get too much into this if you don't know what we're talking about playoff-wise, reports are out that they're still looking at the best of three and that they're looking at, I guess, getting those extra games in from having two extra teams join – Look, 14 out of 28 is ridiculous as well. That is exactly half the teams. We're now going to 19, possibly. No, 18, sorry, possibly out of 29. It's more than half. And it, and my point being, not sorry for the Chicago Fire fans, but my point being is you have to be a team that like is not expected to make the playoffs to like miss the playoffs. Like that that is what the goal is going to every team is going to have the goal of making the playoffs. But I, I guess maybe that might put people on the hot seat more, right? If if you miss the playoffs after they expand them again, you're like, damn, we really suck. Like, we have to rebuild. Like, that is something that is uh, just ridiculous if they go through with that. And the fact that we don't know it, almost two weeks out of the opening, two and a half weeks out from opening game that we have no idea how the playoffs work, is awful. Is awful. I don't know if they're trying to pull an NFL and do like some sort of schedule reveal on the darn Apple TV now, and they're like, the playoff system is, and they open up an envelope. But they got to get this stuff in line sooner. The playoffs last year worked very well. Very well. Maybe that's why they're trying to change them, because they ended up with the two one seeds, and they're like, not enough parody. Like, I don't know what's making them want to change it other than just giving Apple more games. And when you're looking at changing your playoffs that worked just because of money reasons and giving your partner more games, it's not a good look. And I'm glad to see everybody pretty much calling this out, by the way. I haven't seen anybody like, woo, I love best of three and I love having more than half the teams in the playoffs. It's rant over i guess no it's the worst i agree but like you said logan it makes our job a lot easier right it's so like it's oh yeah gotten easy everybody makes the successful season make the playoffs <laughs> right if you don't you suck <laughs> if you don't you really suck yeah <laughs> find a new club <laughs> find a new club all right well that'll wrap us up for this la episode next episode which is our live wednesday episode we're going to be talking san jose quakes rsl and the rapids see which one of those we think will miss the playoffs (laughs) maybe all of them (laughs) Maybe, maybe maybe those three will be the unlucky ones but if you want to give us a follow you can reach us at stateside show on twitter instagram facebook youtube or email stateside show at gmail.com And yeah, the next episode of our episode three Ted Lasso recap will also be coming out on Wednesday as well. So I hope everyone is enjoying that. We're we're actually getting a good amount of listens on those. So I appreciate everyone um, sticking with us and talking some Ted Lasso as we gear up for season three. Yeah, that, that wraps us up here. I hope everyone's having a good week. We'll catch you next time talking those three other Western Conference teams. 
And then we also have to catch up on some other previews next week as well. So uh, a lot coming at you here. But thank you for watching or listening. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.